This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Today, I want to give you an insight into hospitality PR. And for that, I'm joined by Olivia Warren, founder of Pendulum Communications, a PR agency in Sydney specialising in hospitality PR. Welcome to the PR Pod. Thank you. Both your agency and mine specialise in hospitality PR, so we have a shared interest and passion for clients within the food and drink sector. When someone asks what kind of work you do in hospitality PR, what do you tell them? I basically tell them I work with bars and restaurants, which always sounds (laughs) awesome, and promoting them. Um, I mean, because as you know, there's so many different elements, whether it's launching a new venue or PRing a a venue that already exists but needs help getting the word out there or, you know, small projects where they're doing some big activation or campaign that they want help with spreading the word on if it's like ticketed events. So yeah, I I keep it short and sweet. I mean, most people understand what PR is these days, which wasn't always the case. No, my parents, I think, are still struggling to get their heads around See, my mum was in PR, so luckily, and this will lead into some other questions, Uh I'm sure, but um, she fully knew what I was doing. My dad was in advertising, so we kind of... Of, of oh, that, this is a yeah. Dream for you. yeah. So they didn't think I was just going out to you know dinners and getting drunk all the time. They knew <laughs> I was actually what's involved in PR. It's much more than that. So yes, I tend to just tell people I promote bars and restaurants. And I think, I mean, that is the reality of it. Is the majority of our work in hospitality when it comes to venues is either new venues or existing venues. Yeah. Uh, okay, so touching back on how you get into PR, because that obviously is quite different to the majority of people having one parent that is in PR and one's in um, advertising. So what made you decide to study communications? It was Obviously, you understood what PR was, which I didn't when I started studying it. I mean, look, to be honest, I actually probably didn't really. Mum, by this point, was a lawyer. So she went from doing PR in London and... Funnily, not hospitality as such, but she did a lot of food brands. So I remember her telling me stories about her having to sell, you know, a new custard and doing photo shoots trying to make custard look good. (laughs) So it was quite amusing and I didn't quite understand. But um, she then had me and my sisters and decided to retrain and become a lawyer. So by the time I was born, she was a lawyer. So as much as mum understood PR, I don't think I did so much. I decided, it's weird, I mean, gosh, it was such a long time ago, but... With communication studies, I remember I've always been a quite practical person. I didn't know what career I wanted, as most people don't when they're going to uni. I just wanted to meet friends and, you know, have drinks and go out and have fun. But I knew I wanted something that could potentially lead into a number of different careers. So you had the foresight of thinking... Yeah. There's a, there's a no, there's multiple opportunities potentially out there. Yeah, and I think if you're going to uni and you don't know what career you want, I mean, it is almost harder because you don't find this course that's specific for the career. Like, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you study medicine. If you want to do a lawyer, you study law or some variation of that. So I kind of looked at it as in what am I good at and what's going to get sort of a number of different opportunities and, and careers. what were you good at from high school? I was good at um, high school and um, college uh, English so I did a lot of writing I knew I was a pretty good writer I've always been a good communicator as in I talk a lot <laughs> and always been pretty confident made friends easily quite an outgoing I suppose person there was also a factor of which university I wanted to go to right and what courses they offered interesting I, w- I ended up at Cardiff University in Wales I'm from the UK it was things like being away from home but not too far away from home so yeah. I was about an hour and a half from my parents house 
where my friends were all going and sort of how far away we'd all be from each other. It was all stuff like that, which mm. when you're younger, you, it's, it's important, factors, it's important yeah. which, you know, cities were cool and happening. I wanted to go and, and live in without having ever really spent any time in any of these cities. So Cardiff, I, I, I can't remember if, Car- if it was the choice of Cardiff first or I looked for where did God good communication studies courses. But it ended up being Cardiff was where I wanted to end up. And they'd had a really fantastic, it was relatively new back when I went, which mm-hmm. is what, well, 20 years ago, probably just mm. under. It was a relatively new concept or course for sure, communication studies. There hadn't really been anything like it. And it, it had already got a really great reputation in its first couple of years. And why was it so good? Was it particularly practical? Was it? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the university itself was very well known for being a good university, good lecturers. Um, yes, I think the course itself was structured very well and had great content. And, and I think how they sort of rate courses I suppose is you know the 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 graduates that then go into like great jobs and I Mm. think it was showing that their graduates were getting you know converting into yeah well well paid good employment for Mm. them at what point during was it during your degree that you thought "Mm, I think the PR uh, sector is the one for me or did that kind of come once you finished it actually came when I finished and it kind of came by accident I moved to London with my then boyfriend who is now my husband we've been together a very long time we've been together, together 20 years yeah yeah slightly strange concept for most people when I meet them that what you've been well, together 20 years <laughs> so we then so I went to uni we stayed together for uni and then we moved to London together which is where he'd always wanted to go and I was well up for it you know I was uh, early what well, late teens early 20s and one of his best friends who was also from New Zealand was with a girl who was in PR at Hilton Hotels. Uh-huh. And so I was looking for work. Obviously, it started looking at what my course, you know, would be applicable to, where I'd have an interest. And one night over wine and dinner, she was like, well, look, we've got a role going. At, it's a junior sort of entry-level role at Hilton. If you're not sure what you want to do, but you've got a great comms degree, that is what we're looking for for this role. Why not apply and come in and meet with the team? So I it kind of fell into it and I was very lucky. And had you done any PR work experience or internships prior? Or this no. This was actually your first This foray? was my first foray because wow. with the comms course, it, it actually wasn't really around PR. It wasn't a PR course. Like these days, even yes. changed since then. Mm, okay. You have... PR and media courses, don't you? But Yeah, I did PR and marketing at uni. Oh, okay, so mm. they didn't really have... The, or what I knew of, I suppose. Maybe they didn't. I just obviously didn't really know what I was doing but and what I wanted to do. But they were looking for someone with comms experience, like, mm-hmm. well, comms degree at entry level. So I went and interviewed. And actually, I think, obviously, I had a foot in the door with the friend. But um, I think I do interview quite well. I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I'm quite confident. And for a young person, I was always quite confident, maybe borderline cocky, I'd say now. But <laughs> um, And so, yeah, I got the job. And I was there for for nearly six years, I think, wow. worked and my way up. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm. Do you feel your communications degree prepared you adequately for that job? I don't think it inadequately prepared me for it. But to be honest, I mean, it was obviously a lot of theory-based stuff. Obviously taught me more about communication and the importance of it and different sort of theories and processes around it. But... I would, being brutally honest, say not really. Mm. It was on the job learning that I learned. And I think 
yeah, it didn't it didn't sort of tell me how, you know, the day-to-day world of PR worked or sort of, you know, what's involved in that really. The, the comms course was, was very much sort of that, a theory-based comms course versus a PR and marketing course, which I think would obviously have probably much more practical. It does not. Right, there no. we go. And I think <laughs> this is possibly, I mean, obviously they've got a put a foundation down mm. and you need to understand and I guess the theory behind PR but I still think a lot of it is spent on this theory side of it versus okay let's talk you through what would it be like when you go on an internship yeah. or what's your first job going to be like and actually preparing you for that and I get that work experience does that and gives you that awareness mm. and insight into what life might be like in that role but I still think universities should spend I mean even just a couple of weeks talking about Completely what the, agree. What the expectations are working in an office, whether it's an yeah. in-house office or it's a, in an agency, which are two completely different things, which we'll kind of yeah. get to in a bit. So talk to me a little bit about Hilton Hotels, because mm. people might just think, well, you must have done worked in the team that did PR for just one hotel, but it wasn't that. There was over 3,000 hotels. At that time, there was Hilton sort of the rest of the world and Hilton US. So right. they very much did their own thing. And we looked after basically the rest of the world. The UK had its own team within our office. So I didn't have anything to do with the UK or Ireland stuff. I got to do all the stuff that was throughout Europe. We did do Middle East. I mean, it was pretty amazing in my young... So basically you're the conduit in ensuring the hotels and I guess the various entities because it was restaurants or yep, spas, spas or yep. underneath them were represented Correct. within the UK Correct. media landscape. And, you know, we get sent media releases written by the Japanese team, which we obviously had to rewrite to fit with the market here because yeah. they couldn't just yep. translate directly to them. So there was a lot of that um, working with the teams. Yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of people reporting and, work, and feeding into different areas when you work in a big sort of in-house mm. global company. So a lot of my role, I mean, look, I was st- started as a junior, obviously, but was helping work on new new hotel openings, whether they were all new restaurant openings, any new kind of products in areas that were struggling and they needed to increase mm-hmm. revenue. I um, mean, we had to sort of, they were obviously the harder graft ones because you had to come up with ideas and ways to make them sellable, I suppose, to the media. We also, while I was there, which was a really exciting addition for Hilton, was Hilton took on sponsorship of McLaren Mercedes F1 team. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they had a whole division that was looked after that, but myself and the the team that I worked with got to take media to some of the F1 races. Oh. And was, yeah, it was great. And, um, you know, we went to Barcelona, Singapore, like it was oh, wow. going to the after parties with all the F1 drivers, staying in hotels. Like it was, yeah, it was a pretty awesome job when I was in my 20s. And you did this, like I said, for about six years. So for PR yeah. executive through to PR managers. So yeah. obviously the tasks and responsibilities yeah. would have changed dramatically from one to the other. What kind of things did you start to manage as you kind of progressed sure. up? So obviously at entry level and as junior, a lot of what I did was admin and almost desk-based, I suppose mm. I'd say. So, you know, that's things like creating media lists, um, doing reporting on the various campaigns or projects we were doing at the time, drafting media releases. Imagine um, being a support for the broader team yeah, as well. Yeah, you know. yeah, basically anything they threw at you. I did mm-hmm. get to go on media trips with a manager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did get to do some of that, which was awesome and not something that all entry-level or junior people get to do I was very lucky there to be honest through hard work and my own kind of sort of confidence I suppose I did move up through the ranks pretty quickly and had a lot of trust put in me 
So moving from sort of the executive role to the manager role, I was then leading campaigns. I was hosting media trips on my own. I got an Amex corporate card. I got to take journalists out for dinners and drinks. And, you know, it was a lot of whining and dining back in those days, which has changed <laughs> considerably. It's a shame. Yeah. It was almost the ab fab era <laughs> yeah. where we did do a lot of that. And a lot of what we did was taking journalists out to build those relationships with them in person, which, yeah, as a manager was kind of my role to do. Also, obviously, being involved more heavily in sort of direct reporting to the senior levels um, in sort of big meetings and having to go with the reports that maybe the junior had helped work on, which I used to do. But yes, much more away from my desk, I suppose, almost than at my desk. Mm. Obviously, you would have worked in a team environment, both, you know, at the at the junior end and the senior end of uh, of your time at Hilton. How did you prioritise what projects you put your attention on? Were yep. those priorities given to you by someone higher up the food chain? How did that yeah, work? so with large organisations like Hilton, PR is one element of the whole business. And there were a lot of levels of seniority and management. We did get prioritised what needed doing by senior management a lot of the time it was obviously all to do with bottom line and revenue and what areas needed help more than others or if you know we had to do a big grand opening of something or a hotel or you know when the F1 partnership started it was very heavily invested in that so you know we would get kind of almost dictated I suppose about what we were to focus on but out of that we did then have to prioritize what we knew would be most of interest for media what's at the moment topical, what's happening on in global events or, you know, what's newsworthy. It wasn't just a blanket like, yeah, we'll just go with what they tell us to do. I mean, it did sort of in a nutshell come from the powers that be in the senior management, but we then had to fine tune what we knew media would be. how you would execute that. Exactly. And because you had to work across so many different brands and products, Mm. did you learn some really good time management skills back then that you've since applied or do you think your time management skills have just been honed through years of experience? Yeah, look, I've always been a super organised person. I just always have and had really good time management. I was the person that would turn up to meet my friends early and then wait (laughs) half an hour because they're all late. I was always that person. Yeah. Um, And look, that isn't to say if you're not like that, that you won't succeed in PR, but I have to say it's hugely beneficial. I think it set me in great stead to be in PR because so much of what you do is about time management and being organized especially agency side where you are you know you might have 10 clients on the Mm -hmm. go all wanting different things all doing different things even things for me like I remember as simple as and I remember a senior person at Hilton telling me just just always keep all your emails and file them just so that you're always accountable and you've always got that chain of correspondence and also so you can remind yourself what was said something I've always been really anal about For me, it's as simple because I'm a bit old school as I put reminders in my our shared team calendar of things like if we've got a journalist going in for a dinner, it's in the diary that they're on that day, send them a reminder the day before and follow up the day after. It's as simple as that. And I think, I mean, you and I sound like we work almost identical. Yeah. You know, I'm naturally very, very organized. I always have been. So I think there is a benefit if you're naturally, if your brain is structured Mm. like that. But you can certainly learn ways. If it doesn't come naturally to you to think like that, then observe someone who does or talk mm. to someone who does and find out what their tips are. Because like you said, those kind of reminders, you don't have to try and remember off the top of your head that a journalist has been in, you need to follow up with them the next day. Which would be morning. impossible sometimes, I exactly. have to say, when you've got like yeah, numerous... Yeah, and I wouldn't expect yeah. anyone to no. remember off the top of their head. But there is plenty of things that you can learn that will help you become better at it. In fact, I've got a whole episode 
dedicated to time management so there'll be all sorts of tips and tricks on that um okay so after your six years at hilton you moved to sydney yeah what instigated that change did you want to be closer to your partner at that time's family or yeah look i mean he he missed home he was one of those people that was pretty sick of living in london we enjoyed it we had a great time in our 20s but he grew up by a beach in far north New Zealand. He missed, you know, outdoors and the sea. I was a real city girl, loved London, didn't want to leave. He persuaded me that, you know, we should try this whole moving the other side of the world thing. Originally, he'd put New Zealand to me and I was like, no, nah, sorry. It's too <laughs> much of a difference going from London to Baby New steps. Zealand. Yep. So we settled on Sydney. I did have friends really good friends actually, very luckily, and someone that I'd worked with at Hilton for years who was still one of my best mates. She's from Sydney and she had moved back the year previously. So there were lots of things like that that made me go, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And we did the whole, we'll give it a year and see how it goes type thing. So yeah, we, we kind of made that decision together and we've been here 10 years now. Mm. Just over. I had a similar experience to what you had in that I moved to Sydney having not ever lived here before. You know, I worked in Perth and, and London as well prior to coming here. What was it like for you joining the PR workforce? What were the challenges? How did you go about getting your first job? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, again, I was very lucky, if you want to call it luck, that I had worked for a global renowned brand. It definitely got my foot in the door and people, regardless of me not having any specific Australian media experience, could see that I, you know, had worked at this huge global company and so I must be pretty good. Also, I think moving here from London, I did... It's it's funny that the media landscape here is and still is was very different to London. It felt much smaller, much easier to navigate versus London, which I felt was much more cutthroat and and difficult to work in, to be honest. So I, I spent a bit of time sort of researching and learning the media landscape at top level before going into any of these interviews and or actively starting to look for a job. I didn't look for a job for the first couple of months because mm-hmm. we were sort of just settling and enjoying sort of learning Sydney so yeah again I think it's you know you you do need to take a bit of your own time to research it if you don't know anything about it but I did find in relation to like my experience in London it it felt much less overwhelming to be honest yeah Um, yeah. certainly one of the things that I did because I came from I was in television publicity at that point in my career so when I moved to Sydney from London I acquaint myself with the publications Mm. and who may have written each of the key sections and who were the key tv reviewers or stuff but i was very honest in saying i don't have a personal relationship with that person but i do know that the television show should be in these 12 publications if you know so i think having that um doing that legwork of understanding what the publications are like what the areas are in there and just being honest about what your relationship may be like with those people certainly at least puts you in the stead of having the initiative to yeah. not just go, well, I don't... I don't and it know. is almost that basic. Go out and buy... It it. Like, if you're in Sydney, go and buy the Sydney times. Morning Herald every day for a week <laughs> yeah. and buy some of the key magazines. I mean, things have changed considerably since I was started in PR, but and a lot of it's online. It's not hard. Do some Googling. Look at Broadsheet, Urban List, Concrete Playground, you know, our key timeout, our key publications and see who's writing across them the most and all of them have contact lists at the back pretty much and they say who the editors are so even if you can just name drop some of them um, like you said you might not have a personal relationship with them really doesn't take that long to build that relationship just going in with that kind of knowledge is impressive to Mm. someone that's interviewing you um, if you can say you know oh you know Max from Time Out or Sarah from Broadsheet I mean instantly I'd be like this girl knows her stuff or this boy knows her stuff like they've done some to spend some time researching 
How long did it take you to get your first PR job in Sydney? Do you know what? Weirdly, I started off in an event agency. Mm. I ended up getting a role there, but where they were wanting to kind of build a bit of a PR side. I ended up setting up a whole almost PR division, I say, but there was only three of us because it it actually worked so well mm-hmm. um, to have this sort of PR element to the events. Um, so yeah, it kind of didn't maybe directly go into PR, but it yeah. kind of led to that. It was actually a role that wasn't... And I remember in, when I was interviewing... There were a lot of fashion PR roles and I knew I wasn't a fashion PR. Yeah. Again, at this stage, I didn't really know what industry I wanted to go into in PR. I just decided on PR. Mm-hmm. I knew obviously what I loved and was interested in and I'd obviously come from hospitality, PR and hotels, but I was really open to kind of... I actually got offered a job at Sydney Hilton, but in-house. And I knew I didn't want to just go in-house because I was so used to doing such a wide range. So you wanted some variety i did yeah and i think i did want to go agency side i'd been in house Mm -hmm. and i wanted to have that sort of different take on it and experience um so ended up in this events agency anyway and then yeah strangely from there um a year and a half in i set up pendulum i just kind of took that leap ballsy yeah and so what was your original intention at that point did you have a niche you thought you'd go down was hospitality pr part of the picture but not a significant part how did that kind of breakdown of clients yeah yeah so i think definitely hospitality was because i knew i had that deep-rooted experience and background from hilton days i genuinely hand on heart did not think about it too much Mm -hmm. um i have to say the company i worked for ended up going under at the time so i didn't have much time to think it was a kind of you know, I'm losing my job here. What am I going to do? And just decided to take the leap. Again, I think coming from London, I was 28. I don't know if I'd have done it living in London. Mm. Your age, I found in in the UK and in London in particular, age was something that people really sort of looked down upon. Being too young. Being too young. Not, Mm. you weren't, sort of respected because you were young mm-hmm. you know you had to really fight for that respect which is quite the opposite certainly in Sydney which I adored I have to say moving yeah. here I it was so refreshing and it was what gave me the confidence to go I'm going to try my own thing because I'd yeah. I'd built up my own clients in this year and a half I'd built great relationships with really key media there was never any judgment around my age or no one cared no one seemed to care my Hilton background meant I was given a lot of respect early on even when I didn't really know what I was doing and I'm pretty good at the blag I have to say to start with a lot of it what I was doing was that you know coming across confidently in meetings and things and then going away and researching and um but yeah so I I pretty quickly set up my own own thing at 28 without really thinking about it too much I didn't really have the time to (laughs) and who were your first clients at that point in time yeah, so one of my first, so actually I was in talks with Hilton, obviously still having ties with them, and I did a little bit of work for them, and I also had my good friend that I'd worked with at Hilton work for the Observatory Hotel, mm-hmm. so she got me in there, and I did a bit of freelancing stuff there. She then actually went to Merivale, you probably know her. Yes, um, Kim. Yeah, so I then started doing little bits of sort of project stuff for them, but my first big client was Applejack Hospitality, who are still my client nearly 10 years later wow and at that point I think they had they had maybe two venues and they've since had nine venues incredible and hilariously I was sat in Bondi Hardware which was one of their venues and I lived in Bondi I still do and was having a drink at the communal table with a friend and one of the owners was sat happened to be sat next to me with his friend I had no idea he was the owner we got chatting had a few drinks together eventually came out he was the owner I said well look I'm I do PR he'd said we're thinking about sort of getting PR on board we're now sort of starting to grow 
And, you know, I, I think I impressed him enough in our first meeting for him to give me the chance to pitch um, and pull together a proposal, wow. which I did. And I won them. And yeah, here we are 10 years later. What a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that says a lot about, um, I think, your approach at that time. And, you know, I think there is something to be said for having confidence and but being able to back it up, like you said, you know, mm. you might be able to blag it in the meeting, but you have to have the confidence yeah. that you can go away and do the work yeah. to then be able to back up whatever it is that you've promised or you've said you'll deliver. I think my honesty was always something as well. And I often worried going into PR, you sort of hear things about PR and you do yeah. that there's sort of over promising and people not delivering results. Mm. And it was something as myself and my work ethic, I knew I'd never be like that. And whether it's a British thing, I don't know, but I'm brutally honest, not obviously to the point of rudeness, but I will never promise a client that I can get them something or do something for them if I can't. I won't tell a client that something's amazing if it's not. I'll obviously say to them, give them some form of constructive way of making it more amazing or what we can do to work around this. But I think for me, that's strangely just even that has been a real part of how I've won clients is just my honest approach and like you said then backing it up with the results which I feel like my agency do we're very results driven and most of our clients have become our friends which gives you a whole nother sort of level of wanting to be results driven because you want to do well for them and you want them to do well so yeah it's a it's a funny combination of sort of how you come across but also your sort of strategic way of working mm. and the results that you achieve and how do you feel the hospitality industry in relation to PR has changed over the last 10 years or so because it has been quite significant I've been in hospitality PR for ooh, eight years now eight or nine years and it's changed significantly in that time so there's another couple of years experience that you've got on top of that what are the key changes I mean, look, key, I'd say, is obviously that everything is digital, everything social media. I mean, gosh, when I entered PR and uni, there wasn't such a thing as social media. I don't think we even had Facebook when I was at uni. It certainly wasn't something that businesses or brands were really utilising at that stage. So that, for me, social media and its many platforms, in terms of for hospitality PR, because it is so key things like Instagram for restaurants, which is very picture-led, obviously, and they need to be showing their amazing food and the sort of ambience of the venue has changed significantly and has to be a part of your strategy when it comes to sort of your PR and what you're doing and whether that's you doing it yourself. And there is actually quite a lot of expertise involved in it. So us as an agency, we don't offer it. We can offer sort of overarching strategy, but we prefer to work with partner agencies who are similar to us, small agencies, but they specialise in social media which seems to be the way that a lot of people work these days. That's exactly how I structure yeah. as well. You know, I think partly because you and I both have small agencies and I'll have a chat to you a little bit later about why you why you structure your agency quite similar to me, which is just me. Um, <laughs> I think certainly when you've got 6, 10 above, it would make sense to have a social media sure. person in-house because you, especially if you're managing the social media across a number of clients, it's yep. a, an additional um, income stream for you and it means that you can kind of control all of those communications. But absolutely, yep. if you are a one to three, four person, five person agency, that is a speciality that I would want to know that I'm delivering just as just as good as a social media specialist, not just a half-assed version of it. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, if you do something, do it well, and if you don't, let somebody else. Yeah, 100%. And there's only three of us, and, you know, our time is better spent 
focused on sort of our areas of expertise, which is the PR side and the sort of almost the traditional publicity side, I suppose, versus that social media. Yeah. But it still needs to be incorporated and taken into account and yeah. something you advise on and offer. And we work very closely with the social media mm-hmm. agencies or people. Sometimes it's a one off one person. So it all has to, you know, mould and shape together. The other thing I think that's changed in hospitality PR or just, yeah, in hospitality itself is there is so much competition. Yeah. And there's so many new venues all the time and they just, it's constant. So in terms of from the PR side, you have to be constantly evolving and thinking of new ideas, whether that's you or with their marketing team, like Applejack have a marketing person Mm -hmm. who we work with and she comes to us and says, we're thinking of doing this is it PRable? What yep. can we do to make it PRable? You can't just be complacent and you might be the new best venue for a week and then there's someone else that's yeah. the one that's, you know, everyone's talking about. So that has definitely changed. I mean, not saying that you know, the restaurants that are the renowned being around for 30 year ones aren't still there with their own reputation and they do, you know, the best ones do. But I think it is now very hard for a venue to become that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to be the same as it was back in the day when you set up these restaurants that became known for years and years and years and had loyal customers that went back every week it's people are a bit more fickle and there is just so much choice yeah absolutely um so what services do you provide at pendulum communication so we do sort of everything involved in i don't want to say traditional publicity because it's i say the same it's not so much anymore is it but as a sort of basic almost package I suppose or list of services it would be writing all the media collateral but that doesn't include like I know Brooke you do things like writing newsletters and stuff mm-hmm. not something I tend to do yep. so it will be almost at the more basic level of we write the media releases profiles around key staff that would be using to pitch to media so anything that we're going to be pitching to media mm-hmm. so if that's your head chef your bar manager the owner so a bit of a profile there for them that we can send to relevant media particularly industry media that might want to profile them the media release that gives the story about the venue image library so Mm -hmm. whether that's working on doing a photo shoot for the venue and sort of creating that image library ourselves or working with what they've already got if they've already done a photo shoot you know it's it's as simple as making sure that images are all captioned and properly and you know high res because nothing annoys media more if you send them low res images four images of exactly the same thing yeah which you know photographers do tend to do Mm -hmm. you know there's another one of a wine glass but yeah (laughs) um and again with photography for social media use it's very different than PR use so we they'll kind of do a shoot which encompasses everything but only part of those photographs are relevant to us then it's obviously media lists which are your kind of bread and butter almost that's what what we're being paid for is our obviously our relationships with those media and there are media databases now which make it a hell of a lot easier and they did exist when I was first coming into PR but certainly not to the level they do now and the way you can search on them and we do do influencer elements as well if a client wants that so we've got a whole own database of of influencers that we work with and then it's you know working out with the client what they're happy to offer a lot of them now put a dollar cap on influencer spend when they come to a venue versus media who tend to be fully comp and working with the influencer to lock in deliverables before they sort of go in so that's how many posts they're going to do how many stories Unless you're paying them, it's very difficult to dictate what they're going to write and hashtags they use. You know, you give them the basic ones. I mean, unless it's paid for, it's kind of like the same as with an advert in a media publication. You don't get to write that for the journalist if it's editorial. 
And we do, like, we do do stuff like advising on advertising spend, but we don't manage that for clients. Again, that's an area where we would work with someone that's maybe an expert in that area or a media buyer or something. But I definitely get asked all the time, like, out of these publications, which do you think we should advertise with? And I've definitely, from the years of working with them, I have media kits that I know how much they charge. And I've done campaigns where obviously there's been a media spend, but the editorial side, which we've kind of worked in conjunction on. So having a sort of all round knowledge of everything like this is great. And we advise on social media stuff as well, but maybe don't, we don't implement it or community manage it, but you should definitely, whether or not your agency does everything or not have an understanding of, of everything. And what are the things you most love about working in hospitality PR? And what are the things that you are not so crazy about? Yeah. So I definitely love the face to face meeting clients, new clients, old clients, whatever, hosting media is still something I enjoy I mean look the late night launch events probably not so much anymore I've got two kids and I'm 38 it's something that I you know and the, you've done a lot of them. I've done a lot and the buzz and excitement is maybe not as much as and you know I see my junior and she loves it and you know the the celebrities and the yeah the faces and the names and, and I get it but yeah after you've done it a while not to say I'm jaded but it's it's certainly not you know a long day of working in the office and then going to an event till 11 o'clock at night it's not really my idea of fun anymore but yeah, I love the the face-to-face element of my job and the social element, I suppose, and the building the relationships. What else? I love photo shoots. I do too, actually. You're right. Because mm. you can be a bit creative. Yeah. And it's something a bit different than what you normally do because we're writing people. Yes. So it's a more visual... Yes, I agree. I do yeah. love a photo. And plus I get to eat all the food after we've <laughs> shot it, which is always a good part. And have a few cocktails. Yeah. But strangely, I love the invitation part component of an event oh do you oh i like it what do you mean sending actually, it actually yeah working out what the invite's going to be so yeah the e-invite's going to be a print invite it's going to be a print invite what is it going to look like yep. how's it going to be delivered i do calligraphy it's oh. a hobby of mine <laughs> and i did it because i've always liked handwriting and always played around with my own handwriting and what style i'm going yep. for and been a bit nerdy like that and so a couple of years ago um i started doing some calligraphy courses so i love working out well, what kind of handwriting is yep. appropriate for that event is it kind of more of a formal dining event so it needs a certain type of script or is it a kind of a casual funky place it yep. would be too formal so I just love that part of it I know <laughs> it's so strange I think you're more involved in the invite side than I possibly <laughs> am <laughs> well, it's because I enjoy it I guess otherwise I'm sure I would uh, well if I had something to delegate to there's probably other things I would delegate out and not keep that one uh, so what are some of the clients and campaigns that you've really enjoyed working on the most over the last you know, 10 years or so. You've had yeah, gosh. Um, look, I, I mean, I've worked across so many and I think funnily, it hasn't been the huge, big flashy launches or the huge, big global brands that have necessarily been my favourite. It's the small venues that are maybe a startup or, a, you know, their first ever venture into hospitality and their blood, sweat and tears have gone into it. And whilst that makes the pressure much more extreme, their passion just seems to, you know, it rubs off on you and you get that same passion. Mm. And, and and being involved almost from concept through, I love. And I love being sort of that heavily involved. Um, and one of them, just as an example, which, I mean, you know, it's a Sydney-based restaurant. It's called Mark and Vinny's. It's the little Surrey Hills spaghetti bar mm-hmm. run by a lovely guy called Vince who's actually a very well-known um, music producer but went into this. And it's this quirky, cool little venue, which 
he works in pretty much every, like he's one of those guys. He is there in the office at sort of 11 midday and working till midnight. I don't know when he ever sleeps. He was always on answering emails. You know, I'd send an email at six o'clock in the morning when I've got up with the kids and he's responding and I'm like, yeah. when do you sleep? Yeah. But it's, you know, it was his baby, I suppose. And, um, and it was a very cool concept. It was, you know, they came out with this bright, purple pasta which was big because yes, a lot of it's plant-based yeah and so you know a media loved it because mm-hmm. it was but it wasn't just a gimmicky. faddy not gimmicky yeah. novel no it, it actually was delicious food they even invented a vegan egg like it was amazing he's also he's the most intelligent sort of guy i've ever met he also studied molecular science or something so he had developed this vegan egg that was an egg so but vegan angles. yeah so i mean the media absolutely you know there was also a bright blue spirulina pasta dish so you know you can imagine the photography and what it looked like so that was just really fun we got so much media for it because it was such a great concept and he wrote a testimonial for me recently actually it was just the most beautiful yeah like you know but he almost said that the restaurant would never have been if it hadn't been for me and like he he puts all of his success down to the camp like Mm -hmm. I mean wow you know when you hear things like that and obviously the restaurant would be amazing without us but it is it becomes clear when you speak to clients afterwards and you've had a hugely successful campaign how important PR is because you can spread the word so widely with so little budget versus obviously if you're spending advertising plus advertising people are very savvy to now they know yeah. it's paid and they're going to be saying what you want them to say and I do genuinely believe like the, the amount of PR we got and how far it went did contribute obviously to them being known and they still get included in like they're not doing PR anymore we did a three-month launch campaign and and when it's been a great campaign and it's a great product that PR will continue to roll for yeah. I mean it's been a year and a half maybe almost two and they still get round, included yeah. in roundups best pasta places yep. and so that was definitely one of my faves and he's still a good friend of mine like we we forged a friendship from it which is strangely how I end up with most of my clients <laughs> and another one would be Hearth and Soul which was a real off my usual beaten track venue she was a conscious cook which I'm not really that into. It's about cooking with what the earth produces, but nourishing your body. And I mean, the fundaments of it, I agree with. It's, you know, you shouldn't diet, you shouldn't, the the whole body image thing these days, it's about putting in your body what your body needs. And she cooks with real love. She'd given up a career in finance in the corporate world and decided this is what she wanted to do and opened up this little venue in the middle of Newtown. And... It was just gorgeous. It was all kind of homemade communal dining. The food was amazing and it sounds ridiculous, but you could almost taste the love involved <laughs> in it. Like it yeah. was, and she was such a beautiful person and she unfortunately ended up closing it after we, we had an amazing campaign. Again, it got such great pickup. It was kind of right at the time where conscious cooking was being quite mainstream and people just needed that feeling of, being nurtured and I think it was you know the way the sort of media and consumers were sort of going in all different elements of their lives but um she ended up having to close and then she reopened it as a soup kitchen during COVID to feed people out of work and we did a pro bono PR campaign for it and promoted it because it was just such a beautiful thing to do for her she said I I was gutted when I closed but it was like I was meant to because this was meant to be my calling and she yeah did this beautiful soup kitchen for for about two months during COVID where anyone that had lost their job, what a lovely she was feeding. And now she's doing sort of dinners 
once a week these special dinners Mm -hmm. and she's kind of keeping it going that way um but yeah so those would be two i think yeah i think for me and this is something you would recognize as well because a lot of our clients are shorter term contracts so they're venues that uh, need that boost for launch so it's three months maybe six months and then if you've done your job well and they execute what they need to do well, then they can carry on without PR. Maybe they have a little top-up project in a year's time or something like that. But the reality is, certainly for me, at least half of my clients, and I have, I don't know, between six and eight at one time of varying levels, at least half of them are constantly rotating three months kind of contract. So you move through things very quickly. So it's not often that you get to sit with one. Like obviously you've had Applejack for almost 10 years. And one of the ones that I've loved the most is Four Pines Beer. So I have worked with them since before I had my PR agency. When I was at Channel 10, I did some work on the side for them. And then at Maryvale. Um, and then with Savannah PR, I came on and officially did their PR. So that's, I don't know how long, 10, 12, yep. 10, 10, 12 years or something wow. like that. Yep. And it's really heartwarming to see a brand go from from scratch to now being an international brand that's been bought out by CUB and following that growth and seeing how the PR changes through that time. You know, at the start it was very basic and then they got a little bit more money or their um, their audience grew so they had to start, you know, working in different sectors and that was probably the most heartwarming projects to work on for 10 or 12 and years. And real testament to you. I mean, gosh, then it shows how you've adapted with their growth and, again, sign of a good PR. Yeah, it's um, just... A, it's just yeah, and the relationship you've built with them again, yeah. which is such a yeah. key part of PR, whether it's with clients or media. At the end of the day, like it is in any business, I have to say, and in the business world, do you, your first thought is, do you want to work with these people? Do you get on with them? I mean, if you don't, then it's not going to last that long, is it? I agree. <laughs> yeah, and I think, especially again, it's another vote for having a smaller agency. When you do have a very small agency, you can be a lot more choosy about your client. Hundred percent. I, just being myself, if I don't get a good gut feeling about someone or I get the sense that they're perhaps not approaching their venue with the uh, with a similar kind of ethos yep. principles that I would, then I don't have to work with them. Agreed. Um, and that obviously doesn't happen so much if you're in an agency that is a lot bigger. There's a lot more mouths to feed. You've got to take on a lot more clients. And especially if you're a junior there, you just get given what you're given to work with. Yep. So it's certainly one of the, the nicer things of having your own agency exactly. and keeping it small. So what are some of the reasons why graduates might love working in hospitality PR? I mean, obviously, we've talked through some of the fun stuff. So you can do, you can be part of some great events and launch events for venues. You get to meet celebrities at times. You get to be part of quite a diverse yep. industry. You also get to be part of, I mean, and look, I think COVID has almost shone a light on this for the consumer who maybe didn't think about it so much before this pandemic hit what an important part hospitality plays in our lives, our culture. And even for me, maybe it's this pandemic's highlighted it, even though I've worked in it, you know, all my adult life. It, you know, that simple joy of going out with friends to a restaurant and enjoying a meal cooked by someone else is, you know, when when we couldn't do it, it was mourned. And working in an industry where you're helping offer that and part of that, I mean, A, it gets you kudos with your mates. I mean, (laughs) almost to the point where it gets annoying where you're the one that everyone emails going, what restaurant should we be going to? (laughs) And, you know, where do you recommend? And But you become that friend that knows. And food and drink for me is one of life's biggest joys and it is for a lot of people. So I just think even at that basic level, just being able to work 
And as much as it's a rapidly changing industry, it's also a pretty constant industry. It's pretty stable in terms of there are always going to be restaurants. There are always going to be people wanting to eat out in restaurants as long as we don't get another pandemic that shuts it all down, you know. And so to be able to be a part of that landscape and know that there will always be that need for the PR element of it and and the sort of actual venues and the, and the hospitality side of it, I think is something where, you know, there are industries, I mean, there'll always be beauty and fashion, for instance, but I feel like they change very rapidly and significantly. And I also think that one of the nicest things about working in hospitality PR is that because you're predominantly working on the launch of a new venue, you get to see immediately how successful something yep. can be. I'm not talking just about your PR campaign, but about the product in general. If you are doing the PR for a beauty product and it's a new lipstick that's come out and you're promoting that and sure you might see some coverage and you, you might see some results of your campaign that way, it's quite different to having a chat to the owner and seeing that your venue has been chockers yeah. every night since they've opened and it's week six. And that's a really lovely thing to be able to actually visualise yeah. someone engaging with that product. And that, I think, for me, is one of the nicest things. I think as well it's a really grounded industry in terms of most people in it, and obviously there are exceptions, but most people in it, whether it's the owners or whoever you're dealing with, they tend to have worked up through the ranks, whether that be bar staff or hospital staff. Like, it's a hard-working industry for not a lot of results sometimes in terms of, like, you know, profit. I mean, and again, what COVID has highlighted has been, you know, that a lot of them are running on a shoestring with no profit um, at all. But um, the sort of just the love of it is why most people are in it. And you can really, you just get that sense from a lot, you know, if you've got the great clients that I've been lucky to work with, and I'm sure for you, and like with us, with our long-term clients that we've been there from the start, just that sort of blood, sweat and tears that you just become a part of. And it's just a lovely, we're not saving the world by any means. And, you know, it's, but it's something that I've always enjoyed. And and that hospitality is about hosting people and giving and sort of, you know, the joy of that is is something that I love. And Especially I think, with the smaller hospitality businesses, yeah. you're really part of the team. You know, they aren't a massive hospitality group necessarily. So they've got an owner, that owner may also be the chef and they've got yeah. Uh, maybe a venue manager or a floor manager and a couple of staff. So you really are one of the key people of that team and you get, even if it's just for a three-month campaign, you get wrapped up in the yeah. excitement of it and the joy of something working out successfully. You really be, do become passionately involved exactly. with it. So one of the things we've spoken about is agency PR and how you have to juggle multiple clients at one time. Your agency is, is it three people at the moment? Three, yep. How many clients on average would you have? Obviously, we're in COVID at the moment, so things are yeah. a little bit strange. <laughs> but in a normal environment, how many clients would you need to sustain three people? And look, I mean, obviously, it varies on what. So like Applejack are seven venues, but we don't obviously charge per venue for them. And we have some retained clients. I ideally will have five retained clients mm-hmm. and maybe three to five project work. Yes. Um, so 10 is enough to sustain us. I mean, I've got a junior, a senior account manager and myself. I'd say up to 15 would be my absolute limit in terms of ensuring that we're doing the, you know, the, the work and getting the results that we should be and not spreading ourselves too thin. Mm. I, again, as you, same as you, Brooke, I think running a small agency has been for my own choices. It's my own choice to do that. I could have grown it and, you know built this huge team but it's all about life work balance for me so you know it's not for me about 
making the big bucks and bringing in millions. It's making enough to cover all our salaries, myself a comfortable salary, covering overheads. And that's pretty much me happy. And I've got two kids that, you know, uh, I want to spend time with even before kids. I mean, it was, I always wanted that work-life balance. I have worked hard a lot of my life and I still, um, I think with my time management and organization skills, I do manage to pack in a lot more into a shorter amount of time. I can bang out versus my husband (laughs) who literally like, can take half a day to do what I will do in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I can almost bang out a week in three days. And that yeah. comes with years of experience yes. as well, not just good time management and being organized. And certainly, you know, not something a junior should be attempting to do. But um, I've purposefully kept the agency to that level because it's, for me, really important. To, yeah. I don't want my staff chained to their desks either even nine to five I don't really want them to but yeah for me it's definitely you know I have Fridays with both my kids I'm always available on email but I'm not in the office Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's that's a choice that I've made though yeah 15 clients would definitely be the max without it becoming kind of Mm. you know and I guess that's the reality of it is if let's say you've got you know between 10 and 15 clients between the three of you all of those clients are the most important client in yeah. their mind. Uh, so they all have to be treated equally. They also may have multiple projects or campaigns that are kicking off at the same time. So life can be really, really busy in any PR agency where you have three major campaigns in one week. Sometimes you may have multiple major things happening in one day. What can a day look like for you and your team when you guys are at your busiest? So, I mean, yeah, it like you said, depending on what's going on, but Basically, how we tend to work is our junior um, account coordinator, Paris, is very much more on the admin side of things. So she's making sure media lists are up to date. She's an amazing writer, which, again, was a very important element when I'm hiring, that you have good basic writing skills. She's exceptional, so I'm very lucky, as is Rose, my senior account manager. I've been really lucky. They're both such great writers. Whilst Rose tends to kind of lead the sort of media release writing, Paris, the junior, will, she'll, she'll do drafts and, and help Rose on those. She'll make sure that all the reporting's being done and organises the image library. So she's helping us on that level. Which are crucial things. Crucial, I mean, yeah. you may think, oh, these are boring and I'm sick of doing them. But if those basics aren't done and they aren't done well, yeah. then it can impact the, the, the flow of the rest of your agency. And your reputation, if things yeah. are shoddy. I mean, look, I'm still very much that level and again because we're a small agency where I do like to check everything and I'm a bit like that and I don't like to say micromanage but I let them get on with it but everything has to go through me I still have to have that level of sort of eyes on things but Rose then is very much the one who and again because there's three of us if we need to do two photo shoots in a day then one of us is like managing that and the other one is but Rose is very much the level where she'll be sort of sending out media releases responding to media or clients I'm usually either going to client-facing meetings. A lot of what I'm doing is new business stuff. It which takes a lot of time and, you know... It does. Especially if you're a graduate in the first couple of years, you're probably not going to come across PR proposals and budgets for yeah. a little while yet, but they take a lot of time. You have to take a phone call or an email and then you've got to have a chat with them and then you might have a, another chat with them and then you would do a mm. proposal and that may take you a couple of days because you get to research stuff. So and you don't even win it necessarily. <laughs> spent you know whatever it may yeah. be you know eight hours or 16 yeah. hours or however long it may be to put that together and that's really takes up a lot of time yeah and that does seem to be majority of what I've been, I mean especially coming out of COVID there's a lot of that at the moment because you, you know people are wanting campaigns and projects to start sort of happening or they want you to put proposals in place ready for when they are starting I, I do still do 
a lot of like the media send outs. I do. I'm still involved in that. And I actually enjoy, strangely, that element. I like the writing element as well. But Rose does tend to do more of that because I just get less time to sit and focus on stuff like that. It tends to be Rose gets to sit in the office all day, whereas I'm on calls or going to meetings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, the, in our day, that's kind of how it works in terms of what we're managing. And that's an average day. And then if we've got a launch event, you know, it's checking guest lists, making sure we've got all the necessarily things like run sheets and mm-hmm. yeah, guest lists and everything printed out and ready. And then we're yeah. at the venue an hour before it starts and making sure that the venue, I mean, the times I've turned up at venues and nothing's done and I'm going like, right, come on, people, what, where are the drinks? Why are they not poured out? And, yeah. you know, just whipping people into shape. And then it's the whole evening of hosting and greeting and, you know, schmoozing. And then the next day is when you're up at 7am sending out the post-event media releases with all the images from the photographer that you've briefed mm-hmm. the day before. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, that, that would be a particularly busy day yeah. in the life of us. But, yeah. I mean, it happens for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, life in a PR agency versus in-house uh, is quite different. I've had experience in both, I think, the first... Well, the first real 10 years or just over 10 years of my PR career was spent in-house. I did a little stint in a PR agency in London for a couple of months of contracting. So I loved working in-house. I loved being able to sink my teeth into a brand to kind of yeah. know everyone that worked. All the key spokespeople, all the, the heads of departments, you knew them intimately well. Not that intimate. Um, <laughs> Not the Me Too era. Yeah, exactly. Profession, <laughs> on a professional level, you knew them intimately. Yeah. And I just liked having one core brand and maybe multiple projects underneath that. Yep. Obviously in television, I worked for Channel 10 in Sydney and I would look after multiple television shows, but still at the end of the day, Network 10 was, exactly. the, was the one brand. So I really, really enjoyed that and moved into in-house and hospitality as well, working at Maryvale. So agency for me is quite different. How do you Very. define the differences between in-house and agency? Well, and what you've said is pretty much spot on. In-house is almost looking at it in the simplest form as having one client. Mm. So, like you said, you get to know that brand. I mean, gosh, with Hilton, there were multiple sub-brands, I suppose. There were different Hilton hotels and different sort of, you know, categories of Hilton hotel. But it was all one brand. I mean, I knew intimately the history of Hilton hotels and what each of those sub-brands were. The thing with in-house is you tend to do, there are a lot more people to report to. There are a lot more levels of seniority Mm -hmm. and yeah, just, just people day to day, I think you deal with or not always report to, but your PR part of that business is a small part yeah. of many different facets mm-hmm. of that business. Uh, whether or not it's seen as important depends on the brand. I mean, we were pretty important to Hilton, but their marketing and sales was probably up there as more important because obviously there's all their revenue is through sales of hotel rooms and restaurants. The main difference, you have basically one client and a lot of people to report to. The reporting was a real element of in-house for me that I didn't actually enjoy that much but you know there were these weekly uh, I mean it felt like every other day we were doing some form of reporting Mm. or you know sort of almost proving what your team's doing yes I do recall that as well yeah versus agency where you might have 15 clients and it's hectic and you're doing different things for all of them but I actually love that fast pace it's something that I've always enjoyed and I preferred that element of it to being in-house and the reporting side of in-house did my head in so much so there is as much reporting potentially in agency land but I love the whole lots of different variation and day-to-day differences in what you're doing and you know my role at Hilton in-house was comms 
manager or junior to start and comms manager. And a lot of days did look the same. It was kind of the same, different hotel, same thing. I mean, obviously yeah. I got these amazing press trips and I did get to take journalists out and wine and dine them. But day to day, a lot of what I did was the same kind of set out each day. Or Yeah, whereas agency side, I, I feel like every day is different. Mm. Obviously, a lot of the sort of basics of what you're doing has to be the same, like how you do a whip document or how you do a reporting document or media list. But you are talking about a different, completely different client one day to another yeah. and you might be going off to do a photo shoot for one or you might be helping write copy for the website for another or, you know, doing a launch events. And especially in hospitality PR, your clients can change quite regularly. You might yeah. just have a client for three months, there's another one coming through. So there's a brand new set of people and a brand new venue and it's got... Which is always exciting. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there's, you know, there's different bits and pieces that stand out about each venue. So it's nice to have that variety. Yeah. You know, I think each person's different and some people might love that about agency side but might also love the element of having one client in-house side so they can really get... Like, it's 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 very... I think it is very kind of personal personality dependent mm, on what you're going to prefer. I agree. And I think the other thing with in-house is that generally you can be more planned. You know exactly what the key campaigns are for the whole year because they have been discussed in minute detail at the very upper levels and decided right for um, for this is what we're launching over the next year and there's three three campaigns and they're four months apart or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to hospitality PR, I mean, I know and you would have exactly the same experience. We've had phone calls and said, oh, hey, so I'm launching a restaurant next week and I thought I might do PR. And you've got one week to yep. turn around a campaign that in an ideal world, I love to come on board about three months prior to a restaurant launching. So you can kind of step them through, you can make sure the strategy is right, you can do different pieces, you know, different bits and pieces, but you could be turning around something in one week. So I think you have to be um, able to adapt very quickly in agency PR and you have deal to deal with high stress and deal with high stress. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't have those natural skills you have to be able to identify that's your weakness and yeah. work at ways to address that and one of them may be time management you know I deal with stress very well I think naturally and just due to 20 years of experience Same. but I still task out every single thing I have to do in a day everything every single yep. thing I have to reply to Olivia about this email Same. do that journalist blah 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 so, also because I'll forget so yeah, it has exactly. to be <laughs> and that's that's my attention to yep. detail I Same. don't want a journalist ever saying to me oh hey Brooke remember you meant to be sending that yeah awful that shoot, or you know a client saying oh hey remember you're going to send that report so and I'm also one of those people I do reply to emails almost before the person's press send like I get people yeah, saying how I'm have you already it. replied to this and I'm like because if yeah. I don't do it now yeah It'll a not that I forget because I'll make sure there's some form of reminder, but it's also something I'll go later. Oh God, I didn't reply. Like it's and and that actually going back to what's sort of key in sort of PR, being responsive and communicative is so important. Even if you've got nothing to say, so if a mm -hmm. journalist in, emailed you and said, Olivia, have you got this information about this restaurant? Even if you don't, don't not reply. The journalist no. sat there waiting, reply and say, Hey, I haven't, but I'm just looking into it for you. Yeah. And have it to you in a couple of hours. And mm -hmm. similarly with a client, don't not, I mean, they all need to hold you accountable. And it's such that the amount of journalists that have said to me, yeah, then I just have to chase. And I'm like, I can't believe you have to chase. Or even like you said, attention to detail about things, like send the right thing that they've asked for, like a high res image. Don't mm -hmm. send the, one of the journalists' biggest bugbears is we ask for high res images and we get sent low res that we can't possibly use. Yes. How does a PR person not this day and age know what high res image is? Mm -hmm. So little things like that, which, 
will set you apart and a your reputation but your agency's reputation are so key and none of it's rocket science no and i think communication across the board is a big one and communicating with your team members how are you going with the project you know you i don't know let's say you meant to hand a media release into your manager by the end of the day and if you're struggling you've been caught up in a last minute project through another manager or something like that then you should be saying to that absolutely that first manager hey i know i've meant to get the media release by the end of the day I'm not going to be able to do it. Can I get to you? Can I get to you? Can I stay back an hour and give it to you? Or could yeah. I come in early? And they'll say, yeah, sure. Or no, actually, I've got a meeting at 8am tomorrow and I need and I need that. Yeah. So then you need to address what you need to do to shuffle around your priorities or whatever it yeah. may be. And whether it's a client, like you said, responding to emails or, or media. And yeah, it's something with Paris, actually, our junior who just started, where I ha- we, we had to talk about it because she's doing stuff. She had a task list, but she's not telling me when it was complete. Mm. And then I, you know, it's her task list, but I would sort of a day later be like, did you do this? And in my mind, I'm sort of a bit annoyed and like, well, she's obviously not done it. But she's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, 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 it's all done. But I'm like, you need to, like you said, it needs to be clear communication and you need to be saying, by the way, I've done this. It's saved here. If you want to have a look at it, otherwise, otherwise fine. But it's there when you're ready. Because I often don't even know, especially with COVID and all working from home, it's been a real kind of, you know, it's been a challenge for everyone. But you just, as communication just across all areas is just and key. ask your manager how they like to yeah. be kept into the loop. They might say, I don't need to know anything. I'm just assuming you've, you've done yeah. it right. And if, and if you can't, then you tell me. Others might say, can you just give me a quick shout out and say, yep, hey, I've done that media release. Yep, I've done that matrix. Yep. You can check over it. So work out what your manager wants. Exactly. And then adapt to that and use that as a template for how you should be communicating, I guess, and delivering things. And the same with clients. Um, generally, you probably have a manager that would have had that conversation with them. Are you reporting weekly? Are you reporting monthly? How do they need to be kept in the loop with information? Yeah. Uh, who on their team different. needs to be kept in the yeah. loop? Who doesn't want to be? Because you often have those ones that they don't want to be kept across all communication all the time. But yep. yeah, everyone's different. When it comes to hiring for those junior graduate positions, we're obviously looking at people that have either come straight from university or have maybe have limited PR or experience at an agency or in-house. What attributes are you looking for in a graduate? Yeah, I mean, look, and this is a f- not a funny one, but it's where obviously your degree is important. Um, is it essential? It's, to be honest, not for me. Um, something... Which is horrible for all those people listening who are currently studying PR. It is. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't do it. I mean, I There's went to university and there are. Yeah. And look, it definitely helped me get a foot in Hilton. I don't think I'd have even... Because some companies mm-hmm. have a list of criteria and if you don't meet them at that stage, then you're not even going to get a foot Regardless in. Regardless whether that degree is relevant Agreed. in terms of whether you learn much from it, they just like so, to have that box deep. But for me, um, you know, after years of hiring and both good and bad staff... I, I feel like I'm quite a good judge of character and I instantly look for someone who has social skills, comes across confidently. Um, Personality-wise, it's the right fit, which for my agency is someone, you know, sort of bubbly and outgoing, not let I'm the loud one. We don't need another loud person in the agency. So not, <laughs> you know. And skill sets for me are things like being obviously smart, but confident, 
using their initiative. Well turned out is a thing for me. Don't turn up. I mean, I, I'm wearing Converse now and jeans and we do live like that a lot in the agency. But for me, if you're coming to an interview, Absolutely. don't turn up in ripped jeans mm-hmm. and a pair of dirty cons. Like, yes, we wear that day. So we even wear our active wear in mm-hmm. the office mm-hmm. if we're not going to meetings. But I need to know as an initial impression, you want to be seen a certain way. I'm not saying come in a full suit because that's obviously not mm-hmm. the right fit. But be, but we be well turned out. Same as I expect if we were going to a client meeting. You know, nine times out of ten at the moment, we're sat in the office not seeing anyone face to face. But I want to be confident that if we are, you're going to turn up well dressed. Um, And just being passionate. There are so many people when they graduate, and especially, again, coming out of COVID. And I've read an article recently about how much of a struggle it is for university graduates at the moment because the whole world's been thrown into disarray. Being passionate is, and, and you know, there, there are other people that if they're more passionate than you, they're potentially going to get the job. But like I said, do a bit of research before. Come in with names that you can name drop in the industry or across the media. It doesn't take long. Take an hour to read through some of the key publications and who the editors are or the writers or even just get across topics in that industry that are current at the moment. Um and then just being really keen and eager to learn. You do not need to come with all the skill sets. No one expects that. But I really do look, I, I'm I'm a pretty impatient person and I, I, I'm happy to sit down and teach and, you know, doesn't need to be the first time. We can go through it numerous times, but be a quick learner. Pick things up. Write notes if you can't remember things. Like yeah. there are ways of making sure you remember what, what's being taught to you. Um, you know, I, I hired a girl last year and she, she was lovely, but no matter how many times I told her how to do something, she just didn't, every time it would be the same and being correct. And it just got mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, I just don't feel like you're you're taking it on and you're learning. And she eventually agreed. She just wasn't really sure about the job and the role and she wasn't passionate. And it becomes very apparent if if you're not. So yeah, I think, you know, and, and, not, and if you're not overly sociable or confident, don't let that put you off. Just go with some passion. And like I said, for me, if you've researched and you can you can mention some Sarah from Broadsheet or, you know, Sam from Concrete Playground or Terry Jurak from Good Food, that's so impressive to me because mm-hmm. it means you've actually bothered to take a bit of time <laughs> to research the industry that yeah. you're potentially getting a job like in. Like you said, I mean, it could take you 30 minutes an 100%. hour. It's not much of your no. time. No. no. Yeah. Okay, so to finally wrap it up, if you had to impart some words of wisdom oh. to graduates starting off in their first PR role... I guess it doesn't really matter what sector either. No. What would they be? I mean, it would be going back to things we've touched on, but uh, and whether it's words of wisdom or tips, I suppose, but just being really organised, always being really clear and professional with your communication and whether that's in your team or externally, um, and getting to really know the industry that you're going into and, and constantly doing that, not mm. just to get the job and I still do it I have to do it we, me and my team tend to try and catch up once a week and go through that week's kind of topics of what's happening in the industry what new restaurants are opening for hospitality obviously what movements are happening what you know top Neil Perry's just you know quit the business after however many years I mean things like that which you should be on top of and whatever that is in relation to your industry just constantly be learning and researching um so that you're always on top of what's going on. I mean, you'd be surprised at the amount of times just in random meetings or chats with people, these sort of things come up. And if you don't know, it's embarrassing. I agree. I mean, the amount of times a client has said to me and whether they're doing it to be, sometimes I can know they're being conversational and other times I know they're testing me. (laughs) They're saying, so what do you think the biggest trends are at the moment in hospitality? Or 
what do you think the most influential restaurants are right now? Yeah. And, you know, you need or to... Or have you heard what this chef's doing yeah, or seen exactly. this? And you're yeah. like, oh, oh. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I have been caught out. I have myself and it's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's important to be across that. And I guess that brings me to my final point to that list of, of attributes and that are important to have um, is having paying attention to detail. And that can yeah. come across so many things. It could be getting the spelling of a journalist's name right. It could be getting your spelling and grammar correct. 100%. It could be um, making sure you are up to date with a journalist who has moved from one section of that publication to another section. So pay attention to the small detail yeah. because that will set you apart from people who are quick and are just trying to fly through things and and you're kind of being very diligent about it. And yeah, and it's tricky, isn't it? Because we go fast-paced and it is fast-paced, mm-hmm. but I, I completely agree with what you said and why I hadn't thought of it. But with Paris, who started our junior, I mean, she I felt like she was trying to get things done and take them off. And I said, I would way rather you spent time and took things slow and got them right and said to me, okay, I'm not going to get this stuff done because I've spent this time working on this, then rush through everything. Even down to like our weekly whip documents that we send to clients. I mean, I don't think even half of them read them, but I am so anal with Mm -hmm. them all being correctly written, taking out stuff that isn't relevant from, you know, like way back that doesn't need to be in there, Mm -hmm. updated with all kinds. And and it's stuff like sometimes I know Rose has said to me, oh, but they don't, and you know, she's fed up with them and she's like, but they don't even read them. And I'm like, I don't care. Everything that comes out of our agency has to be perfect as much as it can be. There's obviously human error but add attention to detail is so key in that yeah. which is why I read over everything because I'm a bit um yeah and I think also uh especially when you're in these junior positions and you maybe don't have a whole heap of responsibility just responsibility just yet is take the time to observe your colleagues yeah. learn what are they doing and what are they getting praised for what are they doing that are getting picked up on yeah make a mental note of that if there's an area that you think you don't do particularly well you know let's say it's your writing you feel is okay but you don't really have a lot of experience in writing media releases ask your manager can i write a couple of just yeah. test media releases because i haven't done any yet or i've only done a couple and i didn't do a great job so see what you can do to improve your own skill set uh and because that goes a long way i think with your managers great you actually you've got the initiative to, yep. to make an effort and, and further your career and your professional growth Olivia, thanks so much for joining me today. Pleasure. If you enjoyed today's chat and want to learn more about different PR industries, so you can find your niche, you'll find more sector specialist episodes coming out on the podcast over the next few months. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.